everyone, and welcome to the EHS This Week podcast for the week ending November 27th, 2015. My name is Irina Barbu. And I'm Allison Cranky. And we're here to give you the inside scoop on the latest and greatest stories making headlines this week in the environmental health and safety space. To start us off this week, we'll be covering worker safety in the retail industry during Black Friday, which of course is today. So for some of our listeners in North America, Black Friday is the biggest shopping day of the year. Definitely. While many shoppers are anticipating deals from post-Thanksgiving Day sales, Black Friday can increase the number of workplace hazards retail workers are exposed to. With large crowds frantic for savings, there is concern over the number and severity of physical attacks on shop workers during this retail event. According to some sources, there have been close to 7 deaths and 98 injuries associated with Black Friday events. It's actually really uh, quite concerning. Are there any extra measures that people take to protect retail workers on Black Friday? Well, OSHA has reiterated their guidelines to help keep employees safe. These guidelines mainly concern crowd management, pre-event setup, and emergency situation management that shops should consider before opening their doors to the hordes of customers this Black Friday. For a full list of preparedness guidelines, our listeners can check out the resources linked with this week's podcast. And Allison, it looks like there's another big event our listeners might be interested in. What's going on in Paris next week? Yeah, so uh, we've been talking about it all year, and it's finally here. COP21, the United Nations Climate Talks, kick off in Paris next week on November 30th. So for our listeners who aren't aware, what's the goal of COP21? Uh, The goal is to finalize a new agreement that's going to be put into effect in 2020 that will provide an international framework for addressing climate change moving into the future. And ideally, the UN negotiations hope to result in a legally binding and universal agreement on climate action, uh, which is a pretty lofty goal, with the goal of keeping global warming below 2 degrees Celsius. So there are going to be representatives from 195 countries coming to Paris next week for this climate change summit. And this year, in the lead-up to COP21, it feels like there's been more and more momentum behind this global initiative than there ever has been before. Uh, Every week or so, it seems like we've been seeing new commitment plans from countries around the world. In total, there were 149 plans, actually, representing 176 countries that were submitted ahead of time in the lead-up. Those plans are called Intended Nationally Determined Contributions, or INDCs. And the countries that submitted one of these INDCs represent just over 95% of all global emissions. So that puts everyone in pretty good shape theoretically in the lead up to this summit. I think the mood is sort of cautiously optimistic, but that being said, these summits don't have the best record of success and their outcomes have sort of overall been pretty underwhelming so far. So what makes this year likely to be any different? Well, I think, you know, it's too soon to say that this year will definitely be different, but if it is, it may be because for the first time, what we're seeing is far less of a top-down approach, where the negotiators try to push a one-size-fits-all solution upon everyone. Instead, we're seeing people coming up with their own unique plans to address a common challenge. So these countries are submitting pledges outlining what they would do to cut carbon pollution, uh, every country sort of in their own way. I was reading a post on the Environmental Defense Fund's blog about this yesterday, actually. The goal here, you know, sort of of this new approach where countries are taking the lead and determining their own levels of commitment uh, was sort of to get the broadest possible participation worldwide, and it seems to be working. But of course, then the Paris Agreement needs to establish rules for how countries report and verify their emissions over time. This trend is kind of interesting because we're seeing this in a bunch of other ways across the energy industry landscape recently, too, uh, including Obama's clean power plan in the U.S. There's a larger goal, but the states individually have been given a certain amount of freedom to determine how they'll meet that goal. 
That's very interesting. What kind of impact will COP21 have on companies or EHS professionals? Yeah, so theoretically, the outcomes at COP21 could have the potential to drastically reshape the whole regulatory landscape that companies operate in. If countries are to meet their commitments, those commitments will need to trickle down in one form or another to the businesses that operate in those countries. So we'll be keeping a close watch as COP21 negotiations unfold. It's definitely going to be interesting to see if this somewhat decentralized approach works in the energy industry and at COP21, and overall if it will result in the kind of innovation that it's hoping to inspire. And now, Irina, I think you've got some news for us a little bit closer to home. What's going on in Alberta, Canada? Thanks, Allison. There's some big changes coming to Alberta's agriculture sector. Starting this January 1st, Alberta farms and ranches will now be subject to occupational health and safety regulations if a new bill is passed into law. Bill 6, or the Enhanced Protection for Farm and Ranch Workers Act, will make worker compensation board coverage mandatory for approximately 60,000 farm workers in the province and put forth new rules regarding labor relations and employment standards covering areas such as hours, vacation pay, minimum wage, and and the safety of young workers. The bill will establish proper safety training, will give farmers the right to refuse any work that can put them in danger, and will put an end to child labor. If passed, Alberta will join every other jurisdiction in Canada in applying workplace legislation to Alberta farms and ranches. Sounds like an important bill for workers in Alberta. Do you know why this bill is just now being introduced? Well, at this time, less than 5% of the province's 40,000 farms and ranches carry any coverage for workers. Alberta is just one of four provinces without mandatory workers' compensation for farmers and the only jurisdiction in Canada without any form of labor relations coverage for farm and ranch workers. Under the new bill, workers, whether they are paid or not, will be covered by the same occupational health and safety legislation that already applies to all other industries in Alberta. Sounds like some interesting developments in Alberta for sure, so we'll be keeping a close eye on Bill 6 for our listeners in Canada. And that's all for this week, folks. Thanks again for listening. We hope you'll join us again next week. And in the meantime, have a safe week, everyone.